please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to continue on where we left off. We, we took a little side excursion talking about the love of Christ, who shall separate us from that love in Romans chapter 8. And uh, we looked at so many things that the enemy can bring against us to try and separate us from his love. And the Apostle Paul says, you know, we, we, it looks like we're dying all day. You know, all day. <laughs> Some people go, yeah, it never lets up. But he doesn't end there. He goes and says, but we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That regardless of what comes against us, regardless of the pressure we're under, regardless of whether we do well or we don't do well, Amen? That His love for us doesn't change. And we need to know and, and really get strength from that. Knowing that His love for us doesn't change and therefore why we should be quick to repent and get back in that love and get back in that light. You know, it is the Apostle John who talks about that light. That if we are in the light, as He is in the light. Amen? And it is an invitation into the light. Can I just say, it's an invitation to get out of the dark. <laughs> out of the devil's territory. Out of the place where you are in the greatest danger. The place where you're not safe. The place where there is no blessing. Amen? He wants you to get out of there. And it is His love that keeps calling us back in. You know, so many people preach that it's His judgment that brings us back in. It really isn't. It's His love. And we need to understand that there's a difference. God doesn't scare you back in. Now, some people, you know, whatever it takes. <laughs> the majority of us, okay, He loves us in. Hey, I don't, want to, I don't want to talk about the other group. All right, so... <laughs> And uh, I, I, um, I was, you know, so blessed as I was reading through Romans when the Apostle Paul said, I'm persuaded. He was persuaded that nothing, angels, fallen angels, or principalities, or powers, or anything else, can separate us from the love of God. Amen. That's a statement. That's not a we hope. Amen. You need to really receive that as, that's me. That's for me, and that's my confession. Nothing will separate me from God's love. Amen. So, <laughs> the purpose of love. We're going to have a look at that today. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. The latter half of it says again that God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. These are powerful statements. This is incredible. <laughs> so, here again the statement, God is love. With Simon J. Kissimark is saying, he gives us a bit more insight into this. He says, God, who, whose essence is love, approaches his people in love. John, re John reveals, anyone who lives in this divine love lives in God and God in him. Now, really catch that, okay? Listen again. He says, anyone who lives in this divine love lives in God. 
When you live in love, you're living in God. And not only that, but then God lives in you. That makes you powerful. You know, when God lives in you, you become like the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> no one shall touch this and live, okay? We really need to understand, if we had just allowed that out, you know, and that's the problem that we have. We, we, we kind of, how can I put this? We let the, de- the, the world and the devil and everything else get on us. And it suppresses the God who is in us. Are you getting this? That's the reason why we pray in the Spirit. Because it just tears away at the world and tears away at all the things that the world tries to put on us to keep God suppressed in us. And it allows God out. Hallelujah. Get a revelation. <laughs> okay, today. As, and see, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants you to hide that light. He wants to stick it under a bushel, a really thick one, so nobody can see there's any light there. And people are actually surprised when you say you're a Christian. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Come on. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> so again, let me just continue here. So again, he says, God, whose essence is love, approaches his people in love. And John reveals that anyone who lives in this divine love lives in God and God in him. This brief passage is what C.H. Dodd calls the high water mark of the thought of this epistle. This is the high water mark. This is what this epistle is all about. This is why this apostle couldn't be killed. Because he had this revelation. Amen? Now, there are lots of revelations you can get, but this one you really need. This is the one that takes you to that place where you are more than a conqueror. Where you become an overcomer. He's the one that wrote that verse as well. About us overcoming. First John 5, 4, I think. Or 5, 5, somewhere in there. <clears throat> All right. Kistemaka then goes on to give us some tremendous insight into this verse. I want to bring all of this out and I want to share this with you because, and I, please don't have the thought that, oh dear God, we're still on God's love. You can't get enough of this. Are you all here? You know, <laughs> when we get to the place where we are full to overflowing with this, then we'll be ready to step in to the next thing, which is taking up the armor of God. Hallelujah, because you will be so convinced that God will not let you fail. You will have so much trust in him, so much faith in him. And no matter what the devil tries to lie to you about, you won't believe it. I, I, you know, I'm thoroughly convinced that every time the devil said, that's it, to, to the apostle John, that's it, you're going to die today. He just said, no, God loves you too much, it's not happening. This will happen when we decide, not when you decide. Right. Amen. Amen. You know, God will decide with you. you know, it's just God says, you want to come home? No, not yet. I've got a few more things to do. Oh, okay. You know, he wa- some people say, oh, it's stamped in your brain or your forehead or something when you're going to drop dead. Not us. Yeah, the devil stamps it on everybody's brain, but when we get saved, Jesus said, I've overcome death. That stamp is removed. And you make a decision now. Amen. That's what Easter is about. Resurrection. Anyway, okay. 
Not just for Jesus, for you too. Amen? Amen. All right, back to this. So, <laughs> so Kissimaki says now, <laughs> he, he breaks this down and shows us what the Apostle John is doing here and then brings us to where we are now. So listen carefully. He says in the preceding section, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, John defines what love is. All right, by using the Greek word agape there. We don't see it, but it's there. Defined as a love that gives without ex uh, expecting to receive. Often translated charity in the King James, because that's the only thing that they could translate it that meant that. It's a love that gives without receiving anything. Not, you know, when you give to charity, you don't say, well, what do I get back in return? <laughs> when you give, you, it's gone, see you later, bye. Okay, all right. And not only that, but he then say, tells us where it originates, which is in God. And how it de develops, which is by loving others. But in verses 16 through 18, he tells the reader the purpose of love. This is where we are now, okay? God's love living within a believer ensures confidence. He who abides in uh, love abides in God and God in him. That's confidence, okay? When you know that you are living in God and God is living in you. There's a certain confidence there. If we get that one revelation, it will change us. Truly it will. Everything we think, everything we say, everything we do. Because we're in him and he's in us. How can you get away from that? Amen. When you want to lose your temper, just know it's all there. That's when the Lord says, are we losing our temper today? No, thank you. <laughs> okay. Anyway. All right. But he goes on to say this as well. He says it expels fear. And we're going to look at that in verse 18 when he says perfect love casts out fear. That's how you live a fearless life. Amen. And encourages us to be like Christ. Hallelujah. That's, in fact, where the apostle, uh, what the Apostle John goes on to say now in verse 17. So let's go to verse 17. And that is, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. See, this is what perfect love will do. That we have boldness in the day of judgment. I love the way he ends this. Because as he is so are we in this world. As he is where? Right now. Seated at the right hand. See, that's why the Apostle Paul talks about, you know, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Okay? Because of this as well. They're all in agreement with this. This is what they knew. This is what they were operating on. This is why they did so much. Oh, they did a lot because they were with Jesus. Are you kidding me? Some of them went back to fishing. <laughs> you had to go after him, have breakfast with him, convince him to come back to the ministry. Yeah. Let me, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't care what you've done, you know, they did worse. See, <laughs> we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't take people and turn them into saints. When the Bible says we're all saints. Do you know that? The Apostle Paul talking to the Romans, saints to the saints. In Rome. There's the last people you want to call saints. Bunch of... <laughs> These are the Romans. 
You know? Hey, they, you look at them funny and they just, you know, conquer you. <laughs> Amen. And he calls them saints. God calls you saints. You need to know that, that you are a saint of God. You don't have to be like dead for 20 years or 100 years. And, you know, some, some priest or somebody says, oh, now we shall call him Saint Don. No, he's already a saint today. Amen. End of story. See, if we know this, then we'll start walking in it. One of the things that the devil does is he tries to take away from... And God made us in his image and likeness. And God said, let them have dominion. And God said, subdue. That means discover everything that I've created, understand how it all works, and become masters of it all. That's what it means. And it was that, it was that way f- for a long time until, you know, not very long ago. In history, things flipped. And while everything came from God, all the sciences came from God, now suddenly we have this idea that science and God are two different things. Back then they knew it was the same thing. That God created all things and we were trying, science was literally just trying to discover the hand of God. Even the people that the church, quote unquote, persecuted. You know, we, we all know about Galileo and all that. Do you know he was a Christian? Do you know he discovered that, you know, we live in a, uh, not in a geocentric, but a heliocentric universe, okay? In that geocentric means that the earth is in the middle and the sun goes around it. Heliocentric means the sun, helio, okay, is in the center and the earth goes around it. And he saw the hand of God in that while everybody else was saying, no, 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 we're in the center. Because there was a few other scientists that the church liked. That said that, and they used the church to back them up. And what we hear about is that the church opposed these people. There's more to that, by the way. The truth is never that simple. Don't listen to the narrative that comes from the devil. Huh? You need to know what exactly happened. I don't have time to share all that stuff with you. But just know that the people that, you know, that... Came up with some of the brilliant things, the most brilliant things came because they believed in God. And God showed them His work, His handiwork. And they discovered these things, even though narrow minded religious people couldn't accept it. Broad minded Christians did. I thought they were the same thing. Well, that's, that's what you get for thinking. No, <laughs> you need to know there's a difference. Even today, there's a difference. Do you know you are different from religion? You are different from what religious people say? You are. You'll be shocked at what they say compared to what you know and what you believe and what you stand on today. Amen. Well, why did I go there? Anyway, never mind. So, boldness in the day of judgment. 
as he is, so are we in this world. We really need to understand that's where we were left. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's what got, off, got us off on this. We need to understand as he is, so are we. We really need to meditate on this and we really need to allow ourselves, listen, to ascend from here to there. Now, before we die. <laughs> okay? No point after because we'll already be there. What we need is now to be heavenly minded. What we need to be is now in the spirit. Are you all with me? We need to have, you know, we need to keep our feet on the ground, but be seated at the right hand of Christ. We need both. Amen. You know, we're, we're, I'm, I'm doing uh, videos on home fellowship. I'm, going, I'm not going to ask who has seen them because I don't want to embarrass anybody. Okay. Go see him, okay? All right. But <laughs> one of the things that, you know, is so powerful is your testimony. And, and I'm, I'm talking about that right now, and I'll be sharing on that and putting some videos out on that. And uh, I will, uh, one of the things I'll quickly tell you is that I will put out the videos as quickly as I can. I was trying to do it one a week, and then I thought, no, we need this very quickly. So as I do them, I'll put them out, okay? Uh, just so we can and get on a fast track to this. But, you know, one of the things that is so powerful is your testimony. And your testimony needs to be something that has the reality of who you are in Christ and up there, plus be grounded. You can't go in, you know, you can't go with your testimony and use Christianese on people and stuff like that. You know, you just can't be like heavenly minded and no earthly good. Are you all with me? You need to have that balance. Not compromise, balance. Okay, there's a difference. And I don't have time to get into that today. But this is so powerful. And firstly, as we've seen before, John is not suggesting sinless perfection, by the way. Because if you say you're sinless, we got a problem already. In Christ you are, but <laughs> on your own. See, you are sinless in that whenever you do something wrong, you confess your sin. And then he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin, cleanse you of all unrighteousness, which means then you become perfectly righteous before him and sinless before him. That moment in time, you are sinless. But every second after that, <laughs> okay, you know, make it a habit. I'm, going to, I'm just going to say this right now so that you can, you can live this scripture. So that as he is, so can you be, okay? On a regular basis... Just make sure you go to God and first John 1 9. Yeah, but I didn't do anything wrong. You know what? Just do it anyway. Just say, Lord, if there's anything I missed you on or did something that I didn't even realize I did. This is how you just keep it clear. You just say, Lord, I'm just receiving your forgiveness right now and I'm just going to say sorry. And if there is anything he'll remind you, he will then show you open the door for him to talk to you about things that maybe you don't want to know. Because the person that says, I don't have to do that because I'm, you know, I'm pretty good this week. <laughs> pretty good doesn't get you in. Pretty good gets you in trouble. Because whatever you miss, that's going to come and attack you. You don't want pretty good. You want perfect. Amen? Amen, anyway. Okay. 
that's how he, as he is, so are you in this world. <laughs> that's what that was all about. All right, so, so again, John isn't suggesting sinless perfection, but rather mature love marked by confidence in the face of judgment. Confidence is a sign that love is mature. Confidence is a sign that love is mature. People that don't have confidence are not mature in love. This is something that you really need to get a hold of. People that have all kinds of insecurities and problems and everything else, they're immediately telling you that they are not secure in God's love. They're not mature in that love. Because if you have that mature love, then you just know. There are things that you know that nobody can convince you of otherwise. You won't accept defeat in your life. And you won't accept compromise in your life. Yeah, but everybody does it. Yeah, but not me. Do you get it? Why? Because as he is, so am I. And I want to stay that way. <laughs> okay. And it is William McDonald reminds us that it is not our love that is made perfect, but God's love. See, that's what's being made perfect. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Romans 5, 5, the latter half of that verse says this. The love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That is the love that is being made perfect. The love that has been poured into our hearts. Amen? So you don't have to manufacture this love. It's there. And if it's kind of waning a little bit, get back in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Just sit. You know, can I just say this? I don't know how to pray in the Spirit. Okay, that's fine. Just sit before God quietly for a minute. Or ten. Or an hour. That's a long time. See, there we go. See, because the devil wants to take you away. He doesn't want the presence of God to fall. It's a very interesting thing when you be still and know that he is God. Just be still and don't have a blank head. You know what I'm trying to say? Don't kind of travel off into nothingness. You need to know something. While you're sitting there, know that he is God. Just, just take time to just know that. And what that means is every time something, you know, have you noticed when you sit down, all sorts of thoughts come flooding into your brain? And everything that you didn't turn off and everything you didn't write down and everything, every single thing that you could have done in the other 23 hours of the day comes into that 60 minutes that you're trying to spend with God. And then when you leave, you forget about it all. I will guarantee you, most of you, the 10 things that you had to do that just took your mind away from God, once you walked out, kind of... Went and did something else. Until you went back in and thought, I forgot the 10 things. Does that not say anything to you? Wake up and smell the devil. <laughs> He's around. You need to realize this. You know, take a notebook with you. I, I do that. I just take a, I, I scribble things down. Because otherwise my thoughts are now on, now remember to do this, remember to do this. Instead of, Lord, talk to me. Are you all here? This is how you get past things. And then tear that piece of paper and take it with you. Don't leave it there to come back and remember again. And that way you've got something in your hand. <laughs> okay? A list that you can just, so that the next time that list won't come up again. See, these are little things, but gosh, they make a difference. 
So, this love, as I said to you before, will become perfected the more time you spend with God in His presence. Know that He is God and be quiet for a little while. Let Him pour into you and speak to you. Amen? And if nothing else, you know, this is what the meditation thing is all about. In Genesis, I think chapter 6, it says that Isaac was in the field meditating. He didn't have his legs crossed and wasn't chanting anything. He was meditating. That's a concept from God. It started with him and it, it allows us to focus our mind. It allows us to quiet things down. It allows us to hear God clearly. Does that shock you? Do we all know Psalm? The first Psalm. Can we put the first Psalm up? Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the way of the scornful. Did I miss something? No, stands in the way of the... Uh, and then sits, okay? All right. But what does it say? That's right. He meditates day and night. That's a God thing. Don't let people steal that from us. Because that's what makes that connection to God. And it allows God to come down and begin to do some amazing and miraculous things. And if you need to steal your mind, that's where praying in the Spirit and all that kicks in. You've got something very powerful given to you to assist you. To make connections with God. To cause you to be more than a conqueror. To receive revelation from God. You know, people use this all kinds of ways. I know Pastor Andrew uses that to fly his plane in his head. What's it called? Armchair flying or something. Where he sits there and he will imagine all of his little panels and everything else and what he would do in this situation. What, you know, switches to flick and I'm making it over simple. Sorry, Uncle Andrew. But, you know, all of that, whatever he needs to do, he'll go through that procedure in his head. That's meditation. I thought that was real strong uh, uh, concentration. Yeah, that's what it is. Meditation. You are meditating. You are allowing your mind to focus on one thing instead of it going in a hundred different directions. I'm not teaching a meditation today. All right, back to this. <laughs> so again, the love of God. Remember again, Romans says, the love of God has been poured into our hearts. This is the love that is being perfected among us. And one commentator actually points out that it refers to that state of mind and being in which the believer finds themselves when the love of God within them has accomplished that which God fully intends it to accomplish. Wow. Let me read that again. It refers to the state of mind and being in which the believer finds themselves when the love of God within them has accomplished that which God fully intends it to accomplish. Hallelujah. That is powerful. 
But not only is God's love perfected in us so that we have confidence in the day of judgment, as we continue to fellowship with God, something else of tremendous significance takes place. And that is brought out at the end of 1 John 4.17. And as I said to you before, as He is, this is when, when the love of God is perfected, as He is, then we'll be. But we need that love perfected for us to be like Him. See, it's not just about the power, it's about the love. I know when I was thinking of, oh, hallelujah, you know, I want to be in that place of power with God. And I want to take down this and take down that. And you know, in the, in the process, I was taking down people. <laughs> we have to be so careful that we don't become, you know, conquering minded. We don't become this little Roman that's running around conquering everybody. Because bless God, we are more than conquerors. People are not things to be conquered. Devils are. Demons are. Bad habits are. Bad attitudes are. Anything bad. <laughs> okay? Those things we need to conquer. And we need to know we can conquer. Not go, well, you know, that's just me. You better just change that. Now, to answer our primary objection to this statement, which is how can anyone hope to be like Christ when none of us are perfect? William McDonald, I really like this, says that our sins were judged at the cross of Calvary. And therefore, we are beyond the reach of condemnation. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Amen? We really need... Now, it talks about this. Romans 8 is an incredible chapter. And I would love to read the whole chapter to you. Because it talks about the spirit and the flesh. And it talks about living a spiritual life. And that it all... As you do so, there is no condemnation. Are you all with me? So you can't just take this statement and kind of go, well, I'm in Christ now, there's no condemnation. No, there's more to it. There are things that you need to do and you need to walk in. Amen? But we're not talking about that today, which is the reason why I didn't add anything more to it. You just need to know and understand God's love toward you. Amen. Hallelujah. And <laughs> that's the half an hour. Okay. Well, <laughs> how about we come back next week and we'll talk about... There is no fear in love. We'll talk about the fearlessness that should be on the inside of each and every one of us because we know God loves us, regardless of what's going on around us. And there is so much that can bring fear into your life. And we need to be that person that says, I don't care what you try to do. I belong to God and he's looking after me. Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we just thank you, Father, that we want to get to this place where as he is, so are we in this world. And Father, I just thank you that as we gain a revelation of your love, the love that you have toward us, the love that has been perfected, that the Spirit of God poured into our hearts, this is all about love. Because God is love and love created all things. And so we are all wired for this. 
This is where our strength is. This is where our compassion is. This is where our peace is. This is where our joy is. It's all in here. Because God is love and everything that we walk in comes from that love. Hallelujah. And so we just thank you for that right now. And we allow those things, allow that love to grow on the inside of us. And I just thank you, Father, in this coming week, you just confirm this word with signs following. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>